Let's pray. Holy God, righteous God, we thank you for this night. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Christ Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, move in us evermore to love him and to follow him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So through the Advent season and tonight, we are singing some of those beloved Christmas songs, right? And everybody has their favorite. For some, it's Handel's Messiah. Now, you might not know all of Messiah, the Messiah, but you probably know the Hallelujah Chorus, right? And it'd be great if we had all the orchestra and everything else, and we do it by section here, right? I can actually sing that part, so that it's kind of fun. But have you ever stopped to really take in the words of the Hallelujah Chorus? It starts off, obviously, with Hallelujah, Hallelujah, for the Lord God, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. King of kings, forever and ever. Lord of lords, forever and ever. You see, the song really isn't about this little baby in the manger, is it? It is about Christ the King. And it exalts, it sings praises, hallelujah, to Christ the King. And have you ever stopped and wonder why he is called Christ the King? I mean, in Scripture, it says this. In Scripture, from our reading from Luke, it says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. King of kings forever and ever, Lord of lords forever and ever. I mean, have you ever stopped and wondered why the magi, the wise men, asked King Herod this? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Why did they ask him, where is the king of the Jews? Because they took the prophecy, both literally and seriously, that there really would be born a king of the Jews. And did you ever wonder why they gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Because those were gifts you would give to a king. So we have him being foretold as a king. But even at the end of his life, before he was to be crucified, Pilate said this. Then Pilate said to him, so, you are a king? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the, to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And even at his death, 
on the cross, it said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. So when you take this in, I mean, really, when you take it in, everything that Scripture says, it has to give you pause. Even in song, we proclaim it. Even in joy to the world, we say, let earth receive her king. So the question I have for you tonight is, have you received your king? Now, it's kind of an odd question, isn't it? Because in our culture, in America, we don't deal with kings and queens and all of that. And most of us don't even understand what it means to be a king. We probably have all certain ideas of what it means to be a king. And when we say Christ the king, we probably have a lot of ideas about what Christ the king means. So tonight, as we ponder, as we take in, let earth receive her king. Let us understand Jesus as our sovereign king, our sacrificial king, and our savior king. So he is a sovereign, sacrificial, and savior king. This is Christ the king. Let's begin with the sovereign king. And to do that, we're actually going to go back to 500 years before Jesus was born and a prophecy about this king. It's from Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. And I'm going to read a little bit more. You've just got uh, 14 on, on there. It says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancients of days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass in his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Now, when we talk about sovereignty or sovereign king, it means he has full control, full authority, full power, or full dominion over everything that he rules. As a matter of fact, dominion and sovereign can almost be interchangeable. They have pretty much the same meaning. Now, it's pretty hard, right? It's pretty hard for us to really think about a dominion like that, especially with a king, because we don't have that in our culture. But if you take a look at history, go back to the Roman Empire, where Caesar was king. And he was not only king, he was considered a god. And what he said went. And so there was the Roman Empire that spanned vast areas. And yet, and yet, Roman Empire crumbled, didn't it? And there certainly wasn't the glory, an everlasting glory in the Roman Empire. Because anything that is made by man will ultimately crumble, will ultimately fade, and have no glory. But Daniel prophesied that there would be a new king Go back to the text. It says, and to him was given dominion 
and a glory and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His do- dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. You see, Jesus has a dominion that is beyond our capability to really imagine. It is forever and ever. There is no end to it. Everything is under his dominion. It says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. And this is speaking of Jesus. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And it's before all things and in him. All things hold together. Is there anything outside of his dominion? And the answer is no. That includes the material, the physical, things we can see. It includes the spiritual as well. He has dominion over life and death, over sin, even the gates of hell. There's a very famous sermon given by a fellow named Uh, S.M. Lockridge, and he said, My king is a sovereign king. No mean of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? And that's the question, isn't it? Do you know him? And I'm, I'm, I'm distinguishing here. I'm not saying, do you know about him? A lot of people know about him. But do you know him as your king? Because if you know him as your king, you know what you do? You bow before him. Get on your knees. And you confess that everything that you have is his your heart, your mind, your soul, your body, your very breath is his. And he has dominion over your very life, this moment. See, a lot of people know about Jesus as king, but they refuse to bow their knee. But ultimately, at the end, every knee will bow will bend and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And the question is, will you do that now? Take my life, everything, Jesus, because everything comes from you and is yours already. Do you know Jesus as your sovereign king? And if you know Jesus as your sovereign king, you will also know him as your sacrificial king. I mean, if you take a look at history, throughout history, great kings, great emperors, great generals will send out men and women ahead of them to die for them. But what king goes out alone to die for you? to die 
for the sake of the world. There's only one king like that. He came to die for us. And so we're going to go back again to a prophecy told long ago. It's in Isaiah. It says, This surely has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. You see, this is the king that we speak about, our sacrificial king, who came from the heavenlies. From the perfection of the heavenlies, he came to the muck and mire of this earth. He left that glory aside for a moment and came to be with us, to be pierced for me and you. And we sing that in a song too. We sang that already, that he has pierced for me and you. And this is hard to understand, right? If you're king, how could you let that happen? Because even, even on the cross, he was mocked. The guard said, if, if you are king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. But why? Why would you endure that? If you were a sovereign king, why would you give all of that up and be a sacrificial king? Why would you willingly die for people who will mock you and spit upon you? See, I have a friend uh, from a while ago, and she's a mom. And her friend asked her, so why did Jesus have to die? And my friend was stumped by this. She didn't know how to answer her son. She just kind of shrugged her shoulders and said, I guess he had to. So here it is tonight. If you were asked, why did Jesus have to die? Would you be able to have an answer? See, He did not save himself because we cannot save ourselves. He died so that we may be set free. He did what we cannot do. And he did that because he loves you. Even all the sin, even all the muck and mire, he came because he loves you and willingly died so that you may live. This is why he came. This is what Christmas really is the very beginning of. God's fulfillment for you. This is our sacrificial king. See, when you know him as a sovereign king, when you know him as a sacrificial king, then you understand that he is our savior king. 
listen to what Gabriel told, uh, uh, told, uh, yeah, told Joseph in a dream. I almost got that wrong. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And also what the angels said to the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the King. Now, Savior is one of those churchy words, isn't it? Right? We talk about Savior. But what does that really mean? You know, I started to think about this a little bit, and... um, I went back in my mind to the old silent films of bygone eras. Do you know when the damsel was in distress and she was tied to the railroad tracks and said, help me, help me. That's what the screen said, help me, help me. And then comes along the intrepid hero. And by the way, how often do you get to say intrepid? Right? No, it doesn't really come up in conversation a whole lot. Our intrepid hero, which means fearlessly, courageously, So the train's coming, right? Closer and closer and closer. And you can see the smokestack and all the black. And her eyes are filled with terror. Because she's going to die in a little bit. And the hero comes and at the last moment unties her and snatches her away. And it says on the screen, my hero. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's kind of what we have when we think about Savior. But then I also thought about it, and I realized that, you know what, life isn't like a movie, is it? Life is a little more serious. And I'm going to guess, in this group, almost everybody here knows someone who has died in the past year or two. And see, whether we like to think about it or not, that train of death is coming down the tracks, isn't it? And a lot of people are ensnared in a lot of things. And there's terror. And they wonder, as death approaches, have I done enough good things? Have I done enough to outweigh the bad? Will God show mercy upon me? Is it heaven or hell? And people are so unsure. And they just don't know what to do. And yet, that train's coming down the track. So I want to tell you about my friend Wayne Hansen, who died last Saturday. Now, Wayne had been ill and had almost died many times in the past five years. And I have to tell you, the process of dying and all those things was not fun by any means. But he wasn't afraid because he knew two things. He knew that he could not save himself, that no matter all of the sins, everything that he had done, none of that. He couldn't overcome any of that. But the second thing is, he knew that he had a Savior, Jesus Christ, who lived, suffered, died, and rose again. 
and that by faith in him and him alone, he's saved. That there is no fear of death. That there is no fear of condemnation. That there is a promise of eternal, everlasting life. This is what he knew. And he was not afraid of death. He was not afraid whatsoever because he knew that there is no other name by which you are saved. He knew that the gospel is the power of God for salvation unto everyone who believes. He knew that our Savior would come for him in glory, full of grace, full of life. He knew that Jesus saved us by his coming. He knew that Jesus saved us through his life. He saved us through his death. And that our salvation is secured through his resurrection. That his salvation, the salvation given in Christ Jesus, is proclaimed throughout the heavens. Can you hear the song now? For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. King of kings forever and ever, and Lord of lords forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, amen.